0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Slade Heathcock, how's it going, brother? How are you, man? Man, yeah. Like I said, I've been trying to get you on. We finally made it happen. No, no, it's all good. I've I've had uh, Jeremy on. I've had Simon on, and now I feel like the trifecta of more than baseball is complete. Like I I can die happy now.
1: Well, you saved the best for
0: last. Naturally, naturally, the best for last. I figured, you know. They set the table and then you kind of just, you know, right. go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how have you been?
1: Busy, which is good. Um, it's been a awesome couple of months.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk about that. We're going to dive all into the unionization of the minor leaguers, uh, more than baseball, everything about that. Uh, before we do that, for those who may not know about you and kind of who you are, um, kind of give us like a brief a detail of kind of like your background from like high school baseball to like where you at now. To where you're right now, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, that could be a two-hour conversation in, in itself. Um, very high level. I, I was I was born in Louisiana. Uh, my family's from Oklahoma, uh, which is where most of them are now. Uh, so I, I was born in Louisiana, moved to Oklahoma, and going into the second grade. Uh, prior Oklahoma specifically, and then uh, ended up going to Bixby, Oklahoma. And then I graduated uh, for high school. I went to Texas Arcana. Um, and when I got there, I, I, growing up, I played every sport that I could. Right. Uh, and then as I got a little bit older, it kind of goes narrowed down to football, baseball, wrestling, a uh, little bit of boxing, things of that nature. And then once I hit high school, it was football, baseball. That's that's really all I did um, and had time for. Uh, and it was good. It, it, we moved away from Bixby. We went to Texarkana, uh, one for a job for Red River, but also to get into the football program at Texarkana. Um, was their football
0: to, program one of the better football programs in Texas?
1: It was. It was. It was good for also being. Coincidentally, really close to where a new job opportunity was for for my mother, um, so it just kind of was a, a two way street that worked out really well. Um, so we moved there. My going into my freshman year, uh, I was a runt. My freshman year, <laughs> like I was, I I my uh, my I was super young. So when I when I started school in Louisiana, I started at four. So I actually did the eighth grade twice, uh, which was great though because I got to take the classes ahead the next year so even though I did the eighth grade twice um for like hold me back to get age wise for sports of course um that put me at way ahead like school wise so I was so when I went into my freshman year I was already taking sophomore classes and and things so I was I was always ahead which made it nice at the back end of my high school um yeah I, I started at football baseball I was I wrestled in the ninety-seven pound group, my second grade, eighth grade year. So I was a, I was a run, and I, I took a growth spurt my sophomore year, and then another one my junior year. Uh, but I had a very interesting high school man. Um, I, but long long story short, my dad ended up getting into uh, I like hooked into drugs really bad things of that nature ended up becoming like in and out of jail things of that nature. And my my ju- going into my junior year, my mother had uh, that didn't have a great relationship with him one way or the other. And I'd moved to Dallas and we hadn't really talked. So I was I was living with friends in Dallas for the summer playing uh, actually under Rusty Greer, uh, Dallas guy, uh, or Rangers guy. And he was a, a big, big part of kind of my development as a player. So it was really good. But I, I came back to Texarkana, and my mom had moved. Um And a lot of people, when I say, so I I actually graduated living out of my truck. My last two years, I was bouncing around living in my truck and living with friends and things that nature and really kept it hidden that, that I was living out of my truck. Uh, And people were like, oh, and I'm like, no, I I was a high school kid that, <laughs> that had had no rules and, and, and handled it my business and showed up to school. But that became big because my junior and senior year, I didn't really have to take many classes. So I took advanced classes and things of that nature because of my my plan, I took advanced classes in math all the way through. Because my, my real plan was to get my aeronautical science degree uh and apply for a flight spot in the Air Force. That's that was my plan in high school. Um, because my freshman and sophomore year I was on varsity and everything but I was tiny it did just didn't I I wasn't the like typical path of of somebody that would later be a first rounder and and uh, I I was a 50-50 commit to LSU for tailback and uh, as a pitcher really and and two-way guy in baseball so my junior summer uh, I moved back to Dallas and uh I started creeping up. Like I was I was starting to be in the like 94, 95 range. I was touching it um, in pitching. Like, right. yeah, yeah, from the left side. Wow. So I'm like, all right, so like my yeah, I'm gonna be a pitcher. Like that was my plan. So my senior year, um, I tore my ACL uh, with three and a half months before the draft, or six months before the draft. Sorry, six months before the draft. Uh, and I somehow, I got back and recovered and was playing in games at three and a half months. Um, and my final appearance, my, I still, and I, so I wasn't able to pitch. I couldn't, Dr. Andrews did my surgery and I came back at three three months for my checkup. And he was like, Hey, you can't start practicing. That won't even be considered until like four and a half months. And I was like, doc, like, that's not going to work. Like. I've got the draft in six months and I'm having like my junior summer. Like I, I had every team, every college, uh, things of that nature. So at that like, That's point, not.
0: at that point, like, were you thinking like first round or were you thinking like top 10 top 15?
1: <clears throat> at that time I was thinking top I, at that, time, uh, once I tore my knee, I was, I pretty much knew I was a first rounder. Um, uh, at least the conversations, like I knew the slot that I was going to be going for, uh, and I still remember that day when my I'm living out of, I'm living out of my truck, and I had just left. Uh, I worked two jobs at mowed yards, and I and I helped run a baby care or babysitting babysitting uh, like childcare center uh, after school program. Uh, and I had just gotten off. It was like seven thirty, and my my the guy that I was talking with that I wanted to be my advisor at that time because they can't be an agent uh, was like, "Hey, we're going to ask for 2.2 million. I was like. <laughs> all right, Derek, um, you're funny. So I was like, what am I really looking at? And he goes, I'm serious. We're going to ask for that. And I'm like, I've got $12 in my bank account. <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, so, I mean, and that was, I mean, it was a cool moment. Um, but yeah, I, I tore my ACL. I went to Andrews three months out. He's like, this isn't going to work. And I was like, and he wouldn't budge. He's like, no. And he, I was also committed to LSU, his Armada, so like that probably had something to do with as well. But three months is extremely early to come back from from ACL. Um, and I, we, the team was was doing decent, pretty well. Um, and when I got back, we just we went on it. I would have put our and everybody says this, but I would have put our high school team with the best team we had we had three lefties over 90. Three guys got drafted all nine guys or nine guys went d1 uh were better like we were we were good and texas um,
0: is a pretty like they have a lot of baseball talent coming out of base, uh, texas nowadays especially but um, yeah because it
1: become year round right yep. depending on areas and stuff like that and it's really just i, I think like uh, like Dallas has a lot of professional culture in it as well. And I believe that cities are like that do have tendencies to promote and create accessibility to more uh, or better coaching. That's really what it comes down to. I, I truly believe it, it, it is better coaching at the developmental ages that, that really impact lives. Um, but yeah, it, it, they do. Like and our football team was really well, we, we got beat out <clears throat> in the second round of the playoffs that year i went down our sixth game or fourth game maybe um but yeah so i i came back and i'm looking at the doctor's note and he like kind of wrote it at an angle and the no pitching part went through the black lines but the no fielding and hitting was above the line (laughs) so uh, and i told dr andrews this like six years later uh, I was like, "Hey, Doc, you know that I forged your note? One <laughs> I uh, I whited out the uh, I whited out the line and rewrote it to best ability. I scanned it and I turned it into the school. And I started practicing at three months out, playing scrimmage games. Um, and I definitely wasn't 100. percent Like, I definitely was not. Should not have been on the field. Uh, I ended up I end up getting." couple of cortisone shots to be able to get me through that point what was his reaction uh, when he told him he i don't think he was surprised because at that time i i had had, at that time i had had like seven surgeries with him six surgeries with him so like i i know dr andrews decently well at that point Uh, especially because i did my rehab with him as well so I, i i spent a lot of days with dr james andrew um so, yeah, we, we keep winning. We get into playoffs. I'm still not pitching. Uh, and that's what I'm planning on doing. I, I've been to like, there's heavy conversations with the Baltimore Orioles. They did, they had a supplemental first that they could double their uh, slot on. Um, and that's where I, like, it was pretty, pretty evident that that's where I was going to go, uh, just driving conversations and things with other teams. And there was a lot of debate outfield or pitching, like, which one do we want to do? um I, I i was a two-way guy in the aflac all-american game um should have should have probably had the mvp uh and then i blew the save Dang. Um, in, in the playoff game you blew it or what now wow. in the uh, aflac all-american game okay uh, but yeah so we we get into playoffs we're, we're in the finals now we're driving through uh baylor we do practice at baylor and i had driven overnight to arkansas to get a quarter zone shot and i drove to meet the team wow um, and really didn't tell anybody but Caleb Adams, a buddy of mine that ended up playing, one of the guys on the team that ended up playing with the Angels organization. Uh, so the day before we go into state championships is the draft. Uh, and we showed up, we finished the practice at Baylor, got into Round Rock. We were mm-hmm. playing at the Round Rock Stadium for the championship. Uh, and we got in at five or six, whatever time it was, and the draft was just starting um, and turned the computer on. All the guys from the team huddle around and we watched it. And about 18, 19 picks in, I get a call um, from Damon Oppenheimer uh, Hey, Slay, we, we're letting you know we're going to take you with, the, with our first round pick. That's so sick. Gonna, We're going to draft you as an outfielder. And I was like, All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was that
0: feeling like when you look in your bank account? You're like, All right, I got $12. And then now you're like, all right, I I just got a huge signing bonus. Now I'm pretty much set for life.
1: I think that it doesn't like anything and everything. There's not a, there's not no way to describe it because Mm -hmm. there's not, it's very surreal, I guess is the best way because it's just, that's not fathomable. But like at that time in my life, like that, that the understanding of what this means, besides the fact that I get a chance to, be a big leaguer like that's that was really my focus still was like this is an opportunity to complete a dream that I've had since I was five years old um so it was crazy and we go out the next day um (laughs) and we're winning uh three to one I believe and they the coach uh in the in the like fifth inning was like hey next inning I want you to get warm you're gonna close the game out I'm like I haven't thrown a bullpen all year. <laughs> my last my yeah. last pitching appearance appearance was when I blew a save at the afla All American game on national TV yeah. at sixteen. I'm um, like I haven't thrown all year. Uh, ended up striking the first guy out, uh, flew out, and then a ground ball to shortstop, and we won. Um, so so I, I, we won a state championship and got drafted within in a matter of two days so like that's yeah so well, i mean those are those are memories you don't forget right like it, yeah. it was it was been with my family which was the baseball team um the dreams coming true uh so that's my that's my very long-winded background and, and no, yeah I mean, that's awesome
0: so, yeah no thanks for sharing that and like that's up to high school at least yeah um, No. we'll go deeper but i wanted to know about like high school in in texas you mentioned you played football and like the only like I have family in Texas, and Texas has always like fascinated me with like um, just watching Friday Night Lights. And is it just like that? Like, cause I'm, I've driven by that that area where it's taking place. Like, is that how it is? Like, is it such a huge deal? I guess like compared to like yeah. other states and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: we'll have we would have. I mean, I, we had a a two hundred million dollar indoor football facility. Yeah, like yeah, I mean, that's what it's like. There's tons of. Uh, I'd say we have anywhere between. A big game, we'd have thirteen thousand plus fans in wow. a high school game. Um so yeah, I mean it's 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 the hype, it's everything in school. The teachers love you if you're a football player, at yeah. least most. Um it's exactly what you see.
0: That's crazy. So how yeah. is it then? Like what advice would you have maybe for somebody who is because you were kind of hyped up as a football player and a baseball player, obviously first rounder. You know, is that good? You tell me. Um, But like, what advice would you give for somebody who's maybe looking toward that direction of maybe um, getting drafted either out of high school or even out of college? Oh
1: man, this is a a very interesting topic because I I now work in the space of transitioning professional athletes and and veterans and and things of that nature for my full time outside of more than baseball. Um, And it's a very interesting time period where I'm at now, but where I sit now in in kind of this realm, if I was very fortunate, my situation, you, you sign a contract and you go, mm-hmm. like, you, don't, you don't pass up that opportunity in life. Um, where where it's challenging is when you start talking about where the majority of people sign for, yeah. um, that's the problem is first rounders sign for a lot uh, and, and are giving a lot more opportunity than they probably shouldn't, including myself. So seeing guys sign out of high school for $20,000 or $15,000 or even, even a hundred thousand dollars, right? Like you, you're giving 40% back. You're giving 5% to your agent. Oh, and you're going to make $6,000 your first year in professional baseball. They They don't tell you that stuff, right? Like my, my very first year in 2010, 2009, I only played like two games. It was like, I, I was, it was when you could sign late um but yeah like uh my very first year in charleston 2010 i i made 6600 total that was before they paid for living that was before they paid for equipment uh things of that nature so those are the things they don't tell you um and and at that point i think the highest you could make in triple a was 12,000. yeah uh so those are the things they don't so when i see guys doing that i'm just like And knowing how hard it is to leave the game Mm -hmm. behind the curve in business, taking that into account now and having a a better understanding and realization to the realities of life outside of sports, because Mm -hmm. it is different, whether people want to say that's a privileged thing or not, it is different and it comes with its own own sets of challenges. Uh, So when I see that, I'm like, I I, I want, I want kids to go to college or, or, or if you're going to play, make sure that the idea that you can't have a plan or that plan B takes away from plan a is just not true. It's not true in the game. So like, I don't ever want to tell somebody not to follow their dreams because I was told hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times that I would, would never play. Right. You'd never go to the next level or you're not good enough or you're too small. So I never want to tell somebody not to follow their dreams, but I want, what I want them to do is listen them to listen i want them to ask questions to people around them if they don't know who to go to that's why more than baseball is i i do we do help give it at least advice and guidance to give a realization of what minor league baseball is and what it looks like in reality uh, and that's what been one of our missions there for a while but ask questions mm-hmm. and, and listen people come and talk to you and they say school is important and look school is not a definite that you have to like have this to be successful in life but it definitely teaches you and gives you transferable skills into the business world that professional sports doesn't necessarily do. Mm -hmm. Um, Realize that the people you meet later in your life can be very valuable. Um, Truly care about who people are. If you can do that and have a network when you leave the game uh, and have a good heart and you are honest, people see through bullshit, right? Like that's just people see through it nowadays. Um, So if you're genuinely there to help people and to use your platform to do good um have plan b be working on plan b there's time to have jobs there's time to build something there's there's people in your network that you're going to cross that might do it just always have plan b brewing and building and building relationships so that way when the game ends and sometimes that's very unexpected right like i i knew mine was coming because i was pressing buttons of 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 ownerships um and you know what i don't at now like that that was what cool about the unionization we'll get to that is like, like I, I i stepped away from this game on purpose uh and pushed buttons to to be blacklisted right but my advice is to listen to 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 ask questions to think about not one year five years or ten years think about whether you want a family things of that nature. Like it's a very mature decision at a very young age and ask for help. That's the best thing. Cause, cause it, there's a lot of people out there that can help you uh, understand what this life is like. Make sure that you have a plan to start doing school while you're in yeah. like things of that nature. Just have plan B. That's, that's my biggest advice. Have plan B and ask questions.
0: Yeah. You never know when your, your season is going to be over and you're Baseball is done, and for so many guys, like baseball is all they've known from like, you know, literally to like high school and college and professional baseball, and then if that's taken away from them, then like that's their whole identity. Like, you know, what do they have next? So, like, I love what more than baseball is doing, kind of giving that guidance and like, just like coaching and like, um, mentoring even like some of these younger players in the game to kind of like take that next step after baseball. Um, so I, I heard from Simon, um, about how, you know, his version of like why he got into more than baseball and, um, also Jeremy, but like for you, like you all talked about getting blacklisted. And I think it was, was it when you were with Oakland shout out to the A's that's actually my, my home team growing up. I grew up in Oakland. So like, uh, I was an A's fan since a kid. Um, but that being said, <laughs> um, what was kind of like leading up to you starting the whole idea of more than baseball?
1: Um, uh, the very first person I ever talked to about this was Cameron Lowe, which is crazy. I just had lunch, I just had breakfast with him um, about two and a half weeks ago now, and we were talking about this. It was 2016. I was with the White Sox. I was a, I was an MLB free agent or Miob MLB mm-hmm. free agent, so it didn't really affect me at all, and it, and it didn't affect me at all, right? Like yeah. I was the bonus baby that that didn't have to deal with any of the the mm-hmm. BS that players have to deal with. Uh, and let's not even say BS let's say challenges sure right like and the challenges that are faced and going after this dream um so yeah I we one I had I had, had seven surgeries in my career um, I was hurting extremely bad every game uh, I had gotten it manageable and I, I was doing that um, I finally started getting my stuff back but it just frustrated me to see how how guys were treated yeah. uh and like we're paying clubhouse dues, and we're paying for rent and housing, and, and like, and that was like my first time where I started a business in 2015, uh, and was like starting to learn a little bit more about it. And I'm like, okay. Um, and then, really, what escalated was the America's Pastime Act. Yeah. Um, like when that happened, I was in 2018 spring training. My one of my probably better spring trainings of my career. I was feeling good. And they had moved me to first base. I played every single game of, of MLB spring training. Um, and one time, and I don't remember the exact date, but a, a press article was released, and I think it was like maybe Jeff Papson or somebody like that um, reporting that America's Pastime Act had been pushed through lobbying. And I had been tracking it for a while, and I, I made a comment on social media, this is this is BS. because mm-hmm. and, and really, like I think the ultimate deal is I just hate when people are taken advantage of yeah, like I I just morally in every fiber I have, like I just can't stand when people are are treated like they're less because we're all on this rock together and we're all made of the same stuff. And it just it really bugs me. So when I saw and and, and personally, it was a disrespect to me. I'm, I'm a minor league baseball player and they're calling me a seasonal intern. I worked my ass off for for 20 years to get to this point and i'm called a seasonal intern uh, and that rubbed me wrong and anybody that knows me knows that and i've learned how to do it the right ways now uh, i'm not scared to put my foot down yeah no matter how big you are no matter who you are um and that's that has positives and that has negatives for personal things that i've had to learn and get through but
0: i got warned and who warned you I got, is it like your organization or like baseball in general Let's just say the grapevine okay let's say the
1: grapevine I got warning not by one not by two but by multiple including veteran players mm. um and I was like this is how I feel man like this is not like it also was like a slap in the face because they deducted fifty dollars from from the, the pay scale and it's just like you added all that together and I'm like this is just it's unjust like yeah. anybody that wants to argue that this isn't unjust, okay like you honestly did, like are not on my radar ever it's just if if that's the way you feel like wake up like it's the same conversation you see right like mlb does a really good job of promoting the 400 million dollar contracts so yeah. everybody thinks everybody's getting millions and millions of dollars yeah. and that's just not the reality um so i did it on May nineteenth, I think eighteenth or nineteenth, I posted again. There was another article, and I, and I was I posted, and I was in AAA with Nashville at that time. First month of the season, pretty well. Nothing crazy, two eighty, but had a lot of doubles and, and things of that nature, and was playing pretty well. Um, they, uh, I posted again. I came in the next day, and I won't say who. I said I sat down with two people this time. Uh, and they're like, hey, just want you to know that you're ruffling feathers at, at uh, up top. And, and we've been told to, like, make it aware. And the, the very smart and uh, mature person I was at the time um, <laughs> told them to take whoever it was. And I knew who it was, uh, or at least I had an idea of who it yeah. was and shove it up their ass. And on... on may 20th i was on a flight home jeez Uh, i was i was called that night at like 12 Uh, i was like hey you have a flight at 8 a.m uh you're done um and i was like you can take your own flight yeah (laughs) um but yeah Yeah. so i was there and uh i i waited and waited and and there's a there's plenty right like i i was also hurting really bad at this point like yeah like and there there's a lot like the game was getting so damn good like it's crazy how good guys were getting um so there was a multitude of reasons why but yeah i I waited and waited i even i even offered to find one once I had an idea of what was going on I was like look i'll sign for i'll sign for the lowest contract you've ever had uh just whatever pay me the minimum um uh, a minor league minimum so I'd have been made like six thousand dollars and they wouldn't do it nah, no no there was not one offer. Um, So do I have proof? No, but I know the system well enough to know what happens. Uh, I went to, I went to, I I attempted indie ball for a couple of weeks and it just was not for me. And I also know the manager there and the relationships they have with all the front offices. And I went to indie ball and I was, they, they wanted my name on a, I I should have never said yes. I said, yes, my name was on a roster. Couldn't get my
0: name off that roster and they weren't playing me. It was almost kinda of like free publication or free press for them to kind of just be like, you know, we have a former first rounder on here kind of thing? No, they oh,
1: no. well no, I, I I believe that the manager was was specifically told because I did not play in yeah. indie ball. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I didn't play an indie ball and they and the only thing that I could do is sit there and if I left then I'm on the restricted list, so I'm technically still on the restricted list. Like even now, yeah. I, I it probably has the statute of limitations, but yeah. yeah. Like I for the first like three or four years after retirement, I was on the restricted list because I left a contract without it being completed. <laughs> That's crazy. Um. So yeah, but yeah. So that was like, I just was frustrated with it. And my my plan in 2016 was I'm going to get back to the big leagues, and then yeah. I'm going to stand up and I'm gonna I'm gonna get involved with the MLBPA. And I'm going to learn as much as I can. And I'm going to figure out how to change this because there's no reason why. If you look at MLB's path line or, or like path, they're always on a 15 year plan. They are, right? Like, and I know that more now just working with big banks and Fortune 1000 and 500 companies, right? Like, they always are on a 15, 20 year plan, right? Like, you yeah. don't have a collection of billionaires not on the same page, right? Like, they are. Uh, so, there's just a lot of things in that area that, that were just planning, and I just never got to that point. Jeremy reached out to me when I was in Sugarland, and was like, "Hey, I I, I saw your post. I've been following you. Like, I really appreciate what you're doing. I'm really passionate about this as well. Yeah. Would you jump on a phone call with me?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And he called, and I was like, "We were talking. And we were on the road. We were in York Yorktown, I think Yorktown. Yeah, something like that." And I sat outside and we talked for about an hour and a half. And by the end of the call. Uh, he was like, I have a name that I like, and I was like, All right, what do you got? And the whole mission was to build a collection of players mm-hmm. that we can help yeah. now, like right now. um And that's really like the founding part of it. Me and Jeremy just talking that one time on the call, we kept talking, we kept going. We he told me more than baseball was a name. I was like, Hell yeah, I'm in. I love the name. Yeah. Love what it stands for. Um, and we started and we had no clue what we were doing. Wow. Absolutely no clue. Uh, and that was in 2018. Yeah. Early and, in 2018. And we talked and talked and talked for nine months or so. We started filling out the paperwork. Simon got connected to, to us probably six months in, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit later, uh, and was such a big piece of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Jeremy are like, he should be a co founder. Um, so yeah. we made Jared, we made Simon a co-founder early 2019, officially at least. Uh, and then COVID hit. Uh, um, which is crazy. So uh, and that's more than more, more than baseball aside, but our goal was to our goal was to help players to create programs yeah. that create change for the systematic approach of baseball, not just for your career, but after your career. Yeah. And most importantly, after your career. Um You know, I was fortunate enough to be locker mates with some really awesome veterans uh, and and talking with Andy Pettit one day when I was was Andy Pettit and Mariana Rivera. That's so cool. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. Um, It it really was. It, It was. But talking to him, he came back from retirement that year. And he just kept saying, and now that I work in the space, I hear it unanimously, right? I, I hear it from Michael Strahan's and, and people of that nature and caliber, right? And other sports, but just miss the team. Yeah. Missed that mission. You missed having that, that mission made you disciplined. Yeah. Um, and you understood it. You're comfortable with it. You, right. You had, had bled this. So it doesn't matter how much money you have that, that transition is, is, is tough.
0: Um, so you, you had mentioned COVID and um, kind of threw a wrench and everything um, more than baseball did a ton of work for minor leaguers during that time. Do you think that like having baseball taken away from them, like so suddenly kind of like made them realize how much like not necessarily they need more than baseball, but how much like there is a need for like the minor leaguer like, to get like assistance and just like better their life in general?
1: I think it. I think it played a, a very, very big piece of that equation. Um, I think it also made players, uh, for a lot of players, there's never been anything else, mm-hmm. uh, and I think COVID forced them to have something else. They had to, it forced them to go out and get jobs. Yeah, right. Like, and then normally they may work. They'll work part-time jobs or things of that nature. But in that situation, a lot of players ended up just having to go get full-time jobs and now they're realizing i can do a a very uh entry level Mm -hmm. or an entry level job and i make five times more doing this like and i think it made i think it made players take a step back and just realize the realities of life without the game of baseball uh and i think it from that standpoint the players are like well maybe maybe me losing the game isn't the biggest thing in the world right like if it may it asks that question of identity and start asking yourself um what's next i I experienced uh, that very much so when i started having surgeries uh it was the first time i had to step back and, and watch the game and that that ended up leading to me you know starting college and getting into flying and uh eventually getting my commercial instrument license right so i think stepping away from the game just um open their eyes to a bigger world than just a uniform
0: yeah and i don't i don't think fans and i say this all the time on my podcast i don't think fans fully understand the grind that that baseball players go through to make it to to the major league right uh they see the final product of like that major leaguer on on their favorite team but then they don't take a step back and realize like that guy might have been in um minor league indie ball like i talked to a guy jared koenig um he is with the uh the a's like i said my favorite team growing up and he was in indie ball and then australia then signed to a minor league contract and then he made his major league debut this season and like that story like people don't see all that grind and hustle and struggle that's why i, n- I renamed my podcast uh the baseball grind because like i'm showing and trying to emphasize like the struggle that guys go through in order to make it to the majors so um like what you guys are doing like you're doing an absolutely like an amazing job you guys um advocates for minor leaguers. Um, adopt a minor leaguer, all these organizations out there that are kind of now switching and making a change. Um, On that note, let's talk about the union, the unionization of the minor leaguers. I know you posted on Instagram like a really um, heartfelt, thoughtful um, post on that when that just finally happened. Um, But for those who don't know about it, like maybe just kind of break it down in like uh, simple layman terms. Like what's that going to mean for the minor leaguers now?
1: Uh, long story short, probably realistically, three years down the road, uh, you know, we a lot of what we did during COVID, we we issued the foundation of the baseball wasn't created to give grants away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't our our goal and mission. We we had the opportunity to bring in a large sum of money from a collection of major league players that wanted to and some corporations that wanted to help minor leaguers right now that gave us the ability to collect data on about 3000 players. Uh, And what that did was it was the first time that we didn't assume what minor leaguers wanted, but actually had something tangible to show what really matters to minor leaguers. Um, The big piece of that was nobody had really looked at how do you get a collection of players together all uh, right just we were just talking about COVID and I think this helped big is it made players step away from the game realize that there is more to life mm-hmm. so they were less fearful to stand up and and take a stance because that was the issue all along yeah there's been five or six seven groups now that have stood up to try to create a better system for minor league baseball now unions or words are used and things of that nature I never cared what the Organization was called. What we cared about was that the systematic change was implemented, Uh, and part of that data is we have a livable wage. We 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 know a number realistically that every minor leaguer should get paid, Uh, and we we believe that's around thirty four thousand dollars that can be spread out over twelve years or twelve months. That can be spread out over seven months, like it is now, right? Like there is two different things, but a livable wage across the country, when taking in account of housing and and things of that nature. Uh, you know, that's a, it, you know, we pay for all of our own equipment, we pay for all of our food, uh, you know, things of that nature that that a lot of companies when they go on a business trip and, and things like that, it's covered, right? Like your expenses are covered. That's just not the reality in baseball. Um, so it was a long, it was, it was a long road. But the whole point of that, we always approached it. Uh, we always approached it from the stance of how do you make players better? Because what do, what do teams ultimately care about? You cut it through all the the layers and, and fat and things of that nature, and it come down to ultimately they want to win games because winning games that right. produces, yeah. Like that's 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 the deal. The second part of that and the story that doesn't get told is, and, and these are dated numbers to 2019, I haven't seen new numbers since just with COVID and everything, but. In 2019, Major League Baseball made twelve point seven billion dollars in, in revenue. They oh. they they had yeah. They had twenty-five thousand different contractors, employees uh across the entire year. Um MLB in twenty nineteen could have paid all the salaries of every four hey. I'm on here um the wife just got home oh nice uh yeah so th- they could have paid everyone what they could have paid all 25,000 employees and all 40-man contracts those 25,000 employees could have gotten paid over 200,000 a piece wow that's crazy uh, and still been in the green yeah that's so, uh this, it's been a long road to get to that point. There's, you, you mentioned multiple groups there, right? Dot the minor leaguer, uh, minor league app. It's uh, ourselves, there have been individuals, there have been companies. It's been a collective effort to get to this point. Um and, and our mission and statement has always been how do we make better baseball players, but not just better baseball players on the field, but after, after the game leaves, how do we build systems that allow players to transition easier?
0: Yeah, and so now that, like the union is happening and that, I feel like that's, a, that's a, definitely a win for everybody. Like what is maybe like the next, not the next step, but like, what is, what is more than baseball working on now? Like what is like your focus um, or like maybe future plans on what, how to and continue to help minor leaguers?
1: Well, one, not to forget about the Latin American players. Yeah. Uh, sure. Unfortunately in this agreement, the Latin American players in the DR uh, will not be a part of, of this organization, which has kind of always been known. Mm -hmm. um being an advocacy group in a sense to be able to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure that they have the lives right like we've started so our our focus has moved into youth uh youth baseball and and really more so the ecosystem around youth baseball how can we, we we uh we partnered with an organization down the dr um called the baseball island foundation yeah um And the whole purpose of that is we are sponsoring a lunch program. So every year, uh, well, this year is our first year. We're hoping hoping to raise enough money to keep doing it. But what we've done is we partnered with an academy that has younger kids in the Dominican Republic uh, going to a school. And we will pay for all their lunches throughout the entire course of the year on the agreement that they attend English class. Um, they do a beach cleanup and learn about sustainability and take our certification with another partnership with players for the planet. Um, they attend the beach cleanups and they have to have attendance at school. Uh, and if they do those four things and check off, we pay for their lunches. And the whole point of that is when you look at college education, if 10 million people, if, if 25% of baseball from 10 million people in the Dominican Republic, how many of those kids could get into college on a scholarship? And, and give themselves a different life than they'd ever be able to have in yeah. the Dominican Republic or get their degree and go back home and help support their family. Right. Like yeah. we learned, we learned data during COVID that the average Latin American player is supporting four people. Yeah. Uh, the average American player is supporting about 1.3, 1.4 people. So there's a, there's a big gap there that, that should be labeled. And that's not because, of the, the stereotypical reason in the United States, right? Like people just support you. it's because that's the culture. The culture in the Dominican Republic is everybody comes together to make sure that the family is good. Um, so like if we could implement, and, and one of the, the hurdles of why Buscones don't go after college scholarship plans for Latin American players is because they can't pass an ESL program. Right? Like they can't pass a language test to get into college. If we can implement and use the game of baseball and the megaphone of the DR to make kids at the age of eight go and get go and get English and start taking English classes in the hopes of being able to get into college and use their skill in baseball to get that college scholarship, that's our that's our goal. Is how do we take our platform as players and make sure that we're not just looking at the minor league system now, but now we're looking at the ecosystem of baseball at more of a grassroots level. And that, that's our mission is we want to use, we want to be able to help minor leaders and continue to build programs, run programs and assist players. But now let's look at also how can we take those players? We know that 20% of players leave the game and get back into coaching. My my big mission right now, my big focus more than baseball is I believe that if we want to rebuild baseball and, and stop it from dying because it is at about four and a half percent a year, mm-hmm. right? And it's dying. Yeah, for sure. If we want if we want to look at that, we have to look at coaching. We have to look at, and I'm not talking about coaching at the professional level at all. I'm talking about the moms and dads that are teaching little league, yeah. right? And they what, what what I've seen the last five years traveling around running. Uh, fundraisers. One of the things that we do is we will get player. We have, we have 1800 players spread across the United States uh, and we reach out to those players and we'll throw clinics, youth clinics as fundraisers, not only for more than baseball uh, and our youth program, but also the little leagues to help them. They're also a 501 C3, right? So like how can we take our platform and raise money for leagues with the agreement that it has to be a restricted grant? It has to go to maintaining fields that has to, supply scholarships for kids and families that don't are not in the economical position to be able to pay five hundred dollars right so how can we do our part with with using current and former players with the idea of knowing that you know 300 players a year will end up getting back into coaching in some sort right mm-hmm. so how do we use that platform so i want i want to build a coaching certification uh okay. for 19 soccer has it in europe most school most sports are are adapting to that and i want the coaching certification to be how to teach the everyday parent what to say how to say it and what matters when it comes to development because the parents care the parents want to their kids to have a better chance or to enjoy the game of baseball right like that's what it's really about is how do we how do we make the game fun again And it's gotten so competitive that there's such a gap between the lowest level and the next level between travel baseball and youth baseball, like local, that this gap is creating a big fallout in that middle gap, right? Like the kids get to eight years old and they can't make the travel select team. So I'm going to give up and do something else, right? Like how do we make local baseball better using a coaching certification? Because the average little league parent, right? Like, and it's not their fault, right? They were taught by their mom dad or grandpa grandpa right coach that hadn't been taught by anybody else from 25 years ago right their hearts are in the right positions how do we fuel what they want to do which is impact their communities how do we do that with the right terminology and how can we build kids up not tear them down and that's what i want our focus and something that i'm halfway through uh, getting funding for awesome Uh, i have the team associated and i i want to go to the mlbpa and mlb or anybody and say this is what we need to do this is what's missing it's not about the tournament travel ball it's about the youth baseball because that's where the fans come from that's yeah. why that's why it was america's pastime right
0: yeah so what you you mentioned that like uh, baseball is kind of dying and i i agree if you look at the sports uh the fandom i guess of kids like you know there a lot of them are into like football or basketball um and baseball or, and those two sports do a great job of like marketing right you can you'll see Um, everywhere you know everyone knows who Patrick Mahomes is everybody knows who LeBron is everyone knows who Steph Curry is baseball isn't necessarily like that Um, you mentioned um, kind of reaching the youth like what do you do you think more than baseball would ever get or do you think they're gonna have a focus on doing something to try to like grow the game and make the kids like make young kids like fall in love with the game again I know you talked about coaching but is there anything else you guys or maybe you as a person, do you think there's something that we could do as like individuals to like really grow the game?
1: Yeah, we need to get the dinosaurs to adapt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Facts. The, one of the big, there, there's a lot of factors on these, right? Like um, one of which I saw a stat not too long ago, not 100% of, or I think 100% of, let me get this correct one 99% of all of Tom Brady's games have been televised. Wow. 1% of Trout's games have been televised nationally. Yeah. So on a national level, right? Like we football and basketball are so strong because even if you're in California, you still know that, or if you're in New York, you still know the Steph Curry because you yeah. see it all. The time. That's true. You don't, you don't have that in baseball. Right. And that's, that's, In part to the
0: systematic and it needs to change. Right. It also has to do with the amount of games, though, because football is only on Sundays and
1: Yeah, but at the same time, it's the 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 money's there, right? Like the teams and MLB are making the money, which means viewership is there, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's it. I think it's also because there's not like a Rev share model, or there's there is no visibility from MLBPA and their everyday person on what that con what that tv contract looks like mm-hmm. all we know because they're they're a privately right they're a private company they're not publicly traded so all yeah. we really know is they bring in and generalize numbers but we don't know what it actually looks like we know that they make about 500 million dollars more every year or 250 million more every year right depending on what's happening with covid but we know they're making more money And the story we don't tell is, you know, you look at that factor of paying 25,000 people over $200,000 and paying all MLB contracts 40 men and above and still be in the positive for the year is is an idea and reality we don't tell. We never say that, right? Like fans get pissed because Mike Trout holds out because he wants 400, not 350. Well, guess what? You getting mad at the player as a fan for that is just supporting the bigger elephant in the room that's doing the exact same thing right like Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be paying these players if they weren't generating that revenue
0: yeah that's a fair point
1: right like and i don't think we look at that it it does i get it from a fan's perspective on the player side holding out but there's also things like arbitration and and comparables and things of this nature so like your decision is decision isn't just your decision it's also a trickle down effect for generations to come because When, when we start having colluding or holding out or whatever you want to call it, right, on contracts, when when somebody – it happened to my buddy Shane Green. I, and this is a small example, but Shane Green was going through his second po- year arbitration, and, and I can't remember the name, but one of his comparables – he had two comparables. One of his comparables was supposed to sign for 11 or 12, ended up signing for four because he panned and got really late. Well, that lost – that lost – $500,000 a year right there. Yeah. So every time we have somebody that signs for under what they value 10 years from now, that amount of money is multiplied by that big time. And that's just money going back to ownership. That's- uh, and it, it's, it's something, a story that we don't share enough. Yeah. Uh, as, as a sport, I think our marketing is getting better. I, I do think that they're they're starting to. But some of the rules we have and, and things of that nature need to adapt if we want to, we ultimately need to realize that it's entertainment. Yeah. Uh And you can have entertainment and not lose the integrity of the game. Um, And we need to do better job of the kid in San Diego, knowing who Trevor May is in, in New York. We we need to, to look at it as a, a nationwide picture. And that's my, that's my thing is we need to be looking 15 years down the road and if we can if we can start throwing more camps and more experiences that are getting kids and minor leaguers together mm-hmm. right and if we can do it in a way that helps the minor leaguers put money in their pocket right De- depending on how where we get to with minimum wage and things of that nature uh if we can do that we can make fans baseball players uh, at a eight-year-old, ten-year-old, and he's going to become a fan because he was connected to a minor leaguer. Yeah. And the reality is, that in an ideal world, we take big leaguers and do that, but there's not enough time. Yeah. So why aren't we using the seven thousand other players that are spread all over this country and all and, and fourteen other countries? Right. That's one thing that we found out. Like we we issued we issued over two thousand grants to fourteen countries, uh-huh. uh, and representation of fourteen countries. So like. It, it, there's baseball players everywhere. How do we take a grassroots level? And that's our argument. And our plea is that let us do it. Let let minor leaguers and former players, let us go in and do all these little clinics everywhere. Because right now there's just hard for kids to play the game of baseball and have fun. So we have to rebuild the system from the ground up. And I think that starts with coaching because a kid can come in for, a weekend, right. A, a, and play with a minor leaguer that's there once or twice, or sure, maybe four times sure. a year, right. That's 5% of that kid's life. How do we impact the other 95%? That is my, that is my opinion on how we rebuild it, is we have to look at grassroots and we have to look at these communities that don't have access to professional baseball.
0: Yeah. And I, I love the idea of like having, cause you, you talk about minor league teams. They're always in, a lot of them are in like rural areas um like Iowa has a, th- a team they don't have a baseball team but they have a minor league team Wisconsin has two minor league teams obviously the brewers um but they have two minor league teams and like you can connect to those cuz it's so personal uh, you're not going to be able to just go into the field and but but you're so close to them and they're usually able to sign autographs and like it's it's such a more intimate setting you can get to know them um and then kind of watch their progression from the minors hopefully to the majors and then follow their career and know that like I'm invested because one, like I went to watch this kid play and now he's in the majors and now I'm going to continue watching him. And then it kind of goes from there, which I think that's the the route that like I I'm more passionate about. uh, Because like every time I interview a baseball player, like a minor leaguer, like I start cheering for their success, and like now their team, like there's like I even when the postseason starting now, like I know guys in different team organizations for <laughs> represented, and like I don't know who to cheer for, uh, because like I want their them all to get that success. Um, so I stopped cheering for individual teams. Now I just cheer for individuals, but it's bringing me more closer to the game that I've watched since I was a kid. So like wow. that idea is like I love that idea. And I think there's so much more we can do about it. Like, that's something I'm passionate about is just these minor leaguers getting their stories out there so people can look and like, oh, that guy plays like across the street from me. Like, I can go watch him. It's like $10 for a ticket. You know, it's like it's it's so cheap compared to, you know, the Yankees or the Brewers for a major league ticket. It it costs a lot of money to send a family there, but you you take a family for like $50 to a minor league game um, and it's very family friendly.
1: And there's ways that you could do it, right? If 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 we think about this, like let's cut let's cut spring training down two weeks, and let's let's go to a minor league location two weeks earlier, mm-hmm. and let's set a road trip where we go to four different locations around the state, and we practice and play with college kids and other teams in in random locations. Why do we have to be so stuck to like so that way you're you're just not drawing in that one minor league community? How do we reach the entire state? Right. Like there's so many things. Like what happens at the MLB level, right? Like you do Tigers Fest or whatever it might be, right? Where you travel the state for a week, hitting different locations and giving fan opportunities. We and look, MLB needs to make a change, MILB needs to make a change, and players need to make a change. Players aren't innocent in this either, right? Like we have to understand that as a player, we're responsible for our own careers and we're responsible for the game that we're playing. I, we can complain at MLB, but we have to step up on the, the player side to make sure we understand that this game only exists because fans.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I think you and I and maybe, you know, Simon and we should just do a, a road trip through a bunch of minor league stadiums next season and just start just start interacting with fans and just meeting kids and meeting people. I think that'd be something kind of cool to to do yeah,
1: over that's one thing we're trying we're, we're really trying we just did our first one with Akron okay uh, it was mtb night at the field um and we that was one of our first ones with minor league team and when we're hoping that now that the union stuff is all passed and everything like to realize that we're still here to our mission statement is to protect and enhance the game of baseball yeah. that is our mission statement and that isn't just at the minor league level it's not just the major league level it's at all levels mm-hmm. and And we're here to bring the baseball community together, but to also reach out and grab the other neighbor that's not a fan. And that's what we want to do. We want to to save the game because we're looking 10, 15 years down the road and building a grassroots program to make sure that every kid that wants to play the game of baseball not only gets the opportunity to – And we, we, we talk, we hear a lot about the opportunity to play, but let's also make sure that they're having fun when they get the opportunity to play. And that's where I believe that coaching is big is we've gotten to the point where we understand that kids are losing the opportunity to play and we're trying to fix it. Yeah. I, I ask that like, yes, let's keep doing that, but let's do that. And let's make sure that the new kids you are and all these efforts are getting kids in, let's make sure they're having fun and they want to keep doing
0: it. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, let's, let's kind of end on this. Um, I, um, you, you talked about connecting players and kids and fans, uh, more, more than baseball gaming. Is that something we'll, we'll be seeing again sometime soon. Man, like, I to, game, we, baseball players, uh, they game a lot. And like, there's a uh, ton of them who yeah, get game yeah, uh, games and stuff. It really,
1: it really just came down to a funding question because what happens is with gaming and connectivity and things that nature and the season, things that nature, It makes it challenge when they're playing to get on and the streaming space really wants all the time. Right. But we have players like Trevor May and Blake Snell. And I agree. Like I would say that 25% of baseball players are gaming. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would like to, it really just comes down to the funding, right? Like if we get enough funding to launch a program and get people on board and things that nature, uh, it'd be great. And we had it for a while. We were running, running weekly and biweekly competition and and got up to where we had 50, 60 players on every single week, um, uh, doing games. And a lot of it wasn't publicized because we were still trying to build and, and launch and things of that nature. Um and then unfortunately our gaming director that I had um that was a player in the Cubs organization, Garrett Kelly, mm-hmm. uh getting released and having to take a job. Uh and it's just one of those things that uh we we just needed more funding to be able to make it happen, but I do think that long term there will be a focus on it uh, because MLBPA is putting money behind it. So the gaming will continue. There's just too many kids in into gaming yeah. to not. Um, it's just, and there's also there's also the tough, challenging things, right? Because guess what? The number one game played really is that it brings in money. Call of Duty, yeah, which is a shooting game right so we we run through that challenge as well is that as a brand you always have to be very careful of that right and and you have to understand that uh of an eight-year-old shouldn't be playing call of duty and and if we're promoting younger kids to get on and play call of duty and things of that nature are we sending the right message right so there's a lot of challenges from the branding side um that that we have to take into account as we're focusing on youth baseball as well, and, and there's just not enough people that watch MLB the show, right? Um, so it's just that's the challenge of the gaming side. So we promote, we like Logitech came on as a partner and sent out um, gear to all of our ambassadors, cameras, things of that nature, which was awesome, and um, something that we we've had some more pressing items on, but eventually getting a rolodex of gamers onto our website so people can just find them. All we want to do is more baseball is we don't, we don't care about more than baseball. We care that more than baseball is connecting every single person to that minor league. Our mission is not more than baseball folks. It's, it's, this is how you go and play with Garrett Kelly because that's what matters. Um So that that's, that's one of our missions is trying to create opportunities and it's just for us and our team. And, and I look, we've, we've done this basically as volunteers for for almost four years now mm-hmm. uh it's also where we're all in a place where we have to make sure that we're all financially getting there so we have to be very we have to be very selective of the time that we put in yeah. uh, because it's, we do it all as a as volunteer yeah. um we always have uh outside of some small things here or there but yeah, I mean, it's, if we've raised, you know, a little under $1.5 million and we're finalizing our audits for the last two years right now. And it's going to show that 90, almost 97 cents of every dollar has gone out.
0: Um That's so cool. That's something we're really proud of. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, like, I mean, I, th- I want to thank you for coming on. I know you're a busy guy. And um like I said, we've, we've been working to get this on for a, <laughs> for a couple of weeks now know. here or a month or so. But uh finally, able to get you on. So I do appreciate you taking your time. Have uh, yeah. to come on and like honestly like more than baseball has been promoting my podcast and like I like I talked to Simon like like I said I all all I do is I just interview predominantly minor leaguers I think I had um like a content creator for baseball um on just recently but like ninety eight percent is just like b- minor leaguers and guys who've been minor leaguers in the past and just sharing right. their story and just grinding with them so it's it's pretty sick that you guys are helping out with that too but uh yeah man like it's it's been good being able to like talk to you and kind of pick your brain a little bit about. Uh, something that you're passionate about and you know something i am as well yeah i appreciate it man thank you for the opportunity yeah for sure all right bro well i'll let you go um you have a great rest of your day man enjoy your weekend and uh and i don't know if you have monday off or not but if you do enjoy that too
1: yeah i appreciate it
0: man all right brother i'll talk to you later
1: recording stopped